This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about uh, Doubting Thomas. Doubt. John chapter 20, verse 24 through 30. I want to show you a picture. It's a very famous picture. It's a very famous uh, artist. His name is Caravaggio. He's made 22 paintings in the 17th century. But this one is one of his most popular ones. If you look at it carefully, I don't know if you can see it. It may be a little dark. Uh, Hopefully you can see that at home. The the Apostle Thomas is poking his, his dirty finger in the wounds of Christ. And Christ is guiding his hands in the wound. And uh, this is a picture of what I would like for us to maybe remember uh, based on the sermon that I'm going to, it's going to really just really hopefully make an imprint in our minds on John chapter 20. It's Jesus was crucified, he was put in the grave, and it's now he's, he's resurrected, and now we continue the story. In John chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So she ran to Simon Peter and the other disciples, one, the one who Jesus loved, and she said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We do not know where they have put him. Very interesting. So Peter and the other disciples started out and running towards the tomb, and they both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stopped and looked and saw that the linen wrappings lined there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside, and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. And while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. And then they went home. Verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and she wept and she stood and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Woman, why are you crying? The angel asked. Because you have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where you have put him. And she turned to leave and saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? And she thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is teacher, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have yet to ascend to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father, and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them this message. That Sunday, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind the locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And if you know the story that Jesus goes through the walls, which is very interesting. Uh, you would think the, 
that somehow Jesus became more, more uh, kind of like what you see in Star Trek, you know, became pixelated and walked through the walls. But I think that Jesus is more real than the wall, and the walls are pixelated. So we, we won't stop there, but that's how I think uh, it actually happened. And he spoke them, uh, he says this, peace be with you. And he spoke and he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Then he breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven, which is incredibly interesting and powerful what he just said there. But this is our, our focus verses. In verse 24, now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless, and this is what Thomas says, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? This is powerful, especially for us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in the book. But these are written so that you may what? Continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Frequently, we call Thomas what? Doubting Thomas. And I feel like he gets a, a bum rap for that. Doubting Thomas. I'm going to go off script a little bit. How many of you have seen uh, on, online the, the, the show, the TV show, the film, The Chosen? Anybody? Pretty powerful. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend you watch it. Uh, this is off script. I'm going to confess a little bit to you. I've not shared this with anybody in my family, not my, maybe Robin. But watching that uh, video, that show, uh, created some doubt in my mind. Uh, and, it, and I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit because it's hard for me to sometimes see Jesus as fully human. You know, as Christians, we believe that Jesus is fully human, 100% human, and 100% God. And watching that show, I began to see him more as a human. You know, I began to place myself as an audience member of if Jesus was here and I, you know, in front of me and I was in the village or I was there watching him, would I have a natural inclination to believe? 
You know, um, and I'm not trying to be crude or disrespectful, you know, but if I were to see Jesus, you know, go into the bathroom, it would really make me, um, make him look, me look at him as a man, as a person. And so, uh, and you know, if you come to Mosaic Church, we always encourage you to, to read yourself into the story, especially the antagonist people of the story. And so I imagine myself, like if I, if this guy says he's the Messiah, and um, I seen him do some miracles, but I also see him go to the bathroom, I think I would have a challenge. Because um, from my perspective here in 2021, I, I, I believe theologically, I believe on paper, I believe in my heart, fully man, fully God. But I think if I actually saw him as a man, I, it would be hard for me to see him as fully God. Does that make sense? And so I felt really bad because everybody's like, you gotta watch The Chosen, you gotta watch The Chosen. Like, I don't know if I can watch anymore. And so um, we finished it, so. Uh, but the Lord really helped me to, to see Jesus for who he was. He was fully a fully man. And so I try to place myself with Thomas I can see why he would like, until I see it, I don't know if I'm going to believe it. I get it. You know, back in my uh, younger prideful days, like, you know, doubting Tommy, and I would look down on, on Thomas, but now I, I get it. He, he and I are of this, cut off the same cloth. I get it. So Thomas is frequently called doubting Thomas because of this famous incident we just read. Thomas insists that we must personally be an eyewitness of the risen Lord before he can believe that Jesus is risen. He says this, unless I, shall, unless I see his hands and the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So what is it that Thomas needs? What are the evidences that Thomas is requiring from the other disciples if, you are to, if he's gonna believe in the resurrection? Now, contrary to liberal scholars, you know, they think that somehow that the disciples were just frantic and they were trying to uh, conjure up some emotion and, and somehow just continued the theory or the, the idea that Jesus is still alive even though he's dead. And so you have a lot of liberal scholars. Uh, I, I find it hard to call them biblical scholars, but they're liberal biblical scholars that basically believe that the that, uh, the disciples were just uh, hysterical, overcome with grief, uh, obsessed with wishful thinking, had unrealistic desire to overcome the power of, you know, so if Jesus didn't really uh, die, so let's just make up a story so that he still lives and, and the, the ideas of Jesus still live. But I don't see that. I see that the disciples were realist. Yes, they were confused. Yes, they were sad. They, their minds had a hard time wrapping around that Jesus was in the tomb and now he's gone. But I would say when reading the scripture that the disciples were, I would call, realist. Nothing in the gospel accounts warrants the conclusion that Thomas was especially resistant to belief. He was basically just like everybody else. He wasn't hard-hearted. He wasn't more prone to doubt than the other disciples. If you read the scriptures again, and I encourage you to do so, 
as far as we can tell from the recording of the reading, the other disciples actually had to come to a visual contact or an angel of some sort to truly get to the point of belief. So they didn't really come to belief of the resurrection until they had some firsthand empirical evidence of their own. So Thomas says, I'm not, I hear you what you're saying. I believe what you're saying, but I'm not going to believe it. I believe that you believe it, but I'm not going to believe it until I see Jesus for myself. Unless I shall see his hands, the imprints of the nails, and put my fingers into the place of the nails, and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. So Thomas is requiring evidence. What every other disciple has already received or experienced. So what is the story of John in the book? What does the story include? Why is it in there? I think one, because it's true. The writer of John wants us to know that all of us are like Thomas. And I want to say, I am Thomas. Maybe you should whisper it into yourself if you believe that I am Thomas. All the other disciples, as we can see by their actions, if you read, had the same requirement of belief. You remember, I just read that they were, they were, uh, they go see the tomb and it's empty, and uh, the women, and the first thing they thought was that the body was taken. They didn't conjure up in their minds that he would, has risen. But look what Jesus says, and, and it's found in John account. When Jesus sees the disciples and talks to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who do not see, but yet believe. That's us. That's us. There is something blessed about our situation that the original disciples did not have that Matter of fact, it seems like they struggled with it. And for us, the Lord has done something special. And if you know the Lord this morning, and as I look around, I, I hope and all of you believe Jesus. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who do not see, did not see me and yet believed. So Jesus is saying this. It's powerful. It's a gift. It's a blessing for us who did not actually see Jesus with our eyes, but, but people did see him with their eyes, their physical eyes, and that we are blessed. Blessed are they that did not see it yet believed. Believing is a gift from God. And if you believe in Christ this morning, it is a gift. It's not something you can conjure up. It's a gift from God, and it's something special. I would challenge you, if you... Um, if, if you continue with doubt, I'm going to ask the Lord to give you the gift of believing. Now, I'll, I'll confess again, as your pastor, you've heard me say this in the past. Sometimes, I try to wrap my mind around this thing that, um, that we follow a man that died 2,000 years ago. He died. Uh, he rose again. And uh, uh, weeks later... Uh, he baptizes uh, through the Holy Spirit those, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost Sunday, and there is the birth of the church. 
Sometimes when I say that out loud, it's like, wow, that's a lot. Right? Because we live in this world where we, we don't really believe it until we see it. But God gives us a gift. Believing is a gift from God. He has given us something to make our belief in the risen Jesus possible. Even though we have never seen the physical risen Savior. So what is it that Jesus actually gives us? What is the blessing? The Bible says, and we're going to see here in a second, he gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. That's a gift. Some, you know, as you know, some, you tell the story of Jesus, they, they can't see it. They hear it. You know, I remember uh, thinking, I had a brother, um, my oldest brother, Al, who was not um, living for the Lord at the time. He's a believer now, but I remember uh, uh, he would, like, go to bed, and I would sneak a recorder, a tape recorder, you know, a tape player, and I would, like, press, you know, a, you know the Bible that we had on cassette, hoping that somehow it would just, you know, permeate into his spirit. Um, sometimes I'd get in a car and I would put on Keith Green, thinking that somehow that would work. And you know what? It never did, as far as I could tell. You know, I was trying to get him to see, but he couldn't see. I tried to get him to believe, and he wouldn't believe it. It really is a gift from the Lord that God, by, by humbling himself and by humbling ourselves, we say, Lord, give me the gift of believing. And so, if you're a believer in Christ today, God has given you that gift. He's given the gift to eyes to see and ears to hear. He's given me eyes to see the truth of Jesus, his messiahship, his resurrection, and the purpose of his life in our lives. Look what it says in Matthew 13. It's pretty powerful. If you have your Bibles, I would turn there. Matthew 13, verse 14 this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. Verse 15, for the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Verse 16, underline it, highlight it, write it on a piece of paper. Blessed are your eyes because your eyes see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they did not see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. So every Sunday when we come to church, man, we are blessed. Blessed beyond measure. And our hearts should break for those who don't believe, who don't, they hear it, but they don't hear it. They see it, but they don't see it. But you hear and you see, by God's grace, grace, it wasn't something you earned, right? It wasn't something that you could do to, to get it. But by God's grace, 
as we humble our hearts and we say, Lord, help me to see who you are. And all of a sudden, your eyes are open. Right? All of a sudden, your eyes are open. So the blessing of seeing comes from God, comes from the Lord. I did not see the empty tomb. You did not see the empty tomb. The first generation disciples did. I did not see his resurrection body sitting in a room. I wasn't chatting with the disciples. What I get to see and what you get to see is something different. I like what C.S. Lewis puts. It's a very famous saying. Says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Have you noticed because you're a believer and you have faith in, in your life, in your heart, and all of a sudden you can see things, see things that others don't see. You can see like what's going on in our culture. You can see what's going on in the family. You can see what's going on. The Lord has given you that gift of believing. So I like, again, I'll say it again from C.S. Lewis. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. I can only imagine the disciples had trouble seeing what you and I see today. Does that make sense? I have trouble seeing what they saw, but they would have trouble seeing what we see. You and I now see how fitting and appropriate it is that Jesus was sent from God who would suffer and die humiliating death. We see it. We understand why. People in the first century were like, they, they didn't see that. You know, we have like a higher vantage point. So you and I see how necessary that the whole gospel story is true and, and it's only meaningful and significant not just to us, but for all mankind. In other words, God's gift to us is an understanding into the nature of the human condition. We get that now. The human predicament. And I can see clearly now that the story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection appears, and all of us have thought about it, we've reasoned, we've, we've allowed our brains to be used to be reasonable, it's natural and a likely response by a loving God to a human predicament. We've all gone through that. Now, maybe not a, an eight-year-old kid who says, I want to give my life to Jesus, but just like a, an eight-year-old kid who doesn't understand everything about life, but we believe that he's on this journey of living his life, and same thing for us. But as we get older, the Lord begins to reveal certain things in Scripture. As we come to church together, we, uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Um, you know, maybe a song resonates with us. A message resonates with us. Uh, prayer one, one to another resonates. And the Lord is speaking to us. And that comes from a gift of believing Christ. Even though we weren't there and we didn't see what the disciples saw. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus because it makes sense in the light of everything I've come to know and understand about myself. I know I need a savior. When I began to be honest with myself and the Lord revealed that, 
I realized that, man, I am messed up and lost without Christ. And I began to try to live my life without Christ, and I recognized I can't do it. I, I want to be good, but I can't be good. I forget who I told someone here. I used to have a, a really bad mouth, foul mouth. I used to say bad words. I was from New York, so we called it cursing. Down here, I think you call it cussing. I, um, and I don't know if my boys and my family knows that, but uh, I, I couldn't stop. I could not stop. Um, by God's grace and a miracle, and I know that doesn't happen with everybody, but the Lord uh, immediately healed me of that, that pattern of speech. I mean, like, from one day, I remember, I remember, uh, I couldn't stop cursing. I gave my life to Jesus, and I couldn't, it's, I, I couldn't do it. Even, if, even like, sometimes when I... Uh, Maybe when I share a sermon and it, the word is, you know, I need to say the word, I still have a hard time saying it. It just won't come out of, out of me. Now, it did happen a few times. Uh, I've confessed about that when my uh, driving, and you guys know that story. Uh, but the Lord has helped me. Um, and so now I understand that in light of everything I've come to understand about myself and about God and in Christ, I believe in Jesus because I haven't touched him, but I've touched him. Does that make sense? But I haven't just touched him with uh, my finger, because the Bible says, 34, 8 says, Psalms 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. So I don't just try to put an index finger in his side. I've, I've chosen by this gift that God has given me to immerse myself in his life. I'm not trying to touch. I'm going to immerse my life in Christ. My whole life is in his life. So, it's interesting. We have a hurdle to believe that the disciples didn't have, but the disciples had a hurdle to believe that we do not have. Our hurdle to belief, we have not seen Jesus for ourselves. The first century believers didn't have that problem. They actually saw him with their physical eyes. Their hurdle to belief, though they saw him with their own eyes, but they were not, to, they were not prepared to understand, how, understand easily how the resurrection could be or what it could mean. And I just wanna say this morning, two weeks after Easter, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm telling you, I could read myself into their story, and just watching that chosen, I'm like, whoa, that really threw me for a loop. Threw me for a loop. If I was, one, if I was there with the disciples, would I believe? From that perspective, from that timeline, pretty powerful. If you're there in that time of the disciples to believe, I think is powerful. But I think it's as powerful for us. They saw him with their own eyes. We have seen the resurrection in our hearts. So the text calls us to lead a life in Christ, 
not, in, not as Christ. We need a clear understanding of our calling. Do you know that you could be uh, a top-end doctor at the hospital and not know the Lord, not know the purpose for your life? You think it's just making money. Or you could be a day laborer, you know, just go to the corner down here on, on Monroe and you know, uh, one of the roads down there that I can see the day laborers. But if you know that God has called you, saved you, given you purpose, that person who's a day laborer can live in peace and enjoy and understand God's overall purpose. And it's not about money. You can be the highest position and not know those things and still be lost. There's something wonderful about believing in Jesus. It's a miracle. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. What Jesus did on the cross in his physical resurrected body and his ascension to the right hand of the Father, we still get to encounter the spirit of the risen Christ to this day. Here this morning, we felt his presence during worship, during the proclamation of his word. And we say this from time to time because we believe it. His presence is our reward. It is in his presence that doors are unlocked. They're flung open. And the fears that used to bind us have now been released. The things that used to enslave us because of our life in Christ, we are now been set free. It is in his presence that the risen Christ comes to us and calls us and empowers us to reach beyond our own doors, to spread the good news, talk about the glorious resurrection. It is in this presence that we begin to live life that God intended for us to live. It's only through Christ that I'm actually living the life that Mario was designed to live. Now, there's areas of my life that I still need to continue to uh, submit myself to his purpose. You know, I talked about right in the beginning, some of you weren't, maybe didn't hear me, but I said coming together is like scraping off those barnacles that the world wants to cling to us. And today, when we come together, we lift up the name of Jesus, it's like, it's like cleaning our lenses. We get to see clearly again. Because sometimes when we go off these doors, man, our lenses get fogged up and, you know, we get, uh, we get kind of maybe lost. We come here, we, we refocus on, on the risen Christ. We refocus on our purpose and that is done through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. So in his presence, we can begin to live the life God intended us to live, embrace the ministry which he's, he has called all of us to, to live. So it is in this presence that we view Thomas and the others in a new light. We don't judge them. If you don't have, if you, don't have uh, you know, sometimes pride will come in. He's like, well, those guys, they should have known better. No. Because we believe and because the Holy Spirit's in us, we 
uh, resonate with those guys that your picture that you guys see on the screen. Jesus is offering us the same invitation he offered to Thomas. See for yourself, I am real, I have risen. Your doubts have strengthened you and brought you closer to me. That's pretty powerful. I love this picture. His doubts drew him closer to Jesus. And that's what, if you have moments of doubt, you know it's the Holy Spirit. If he's drawing you close, you're going to read more and, and, and pray more and say, God, speak to me. The Spirit will never tell you to leave. I want to end this two weeks after Easter message stating that I pray that you've touched Jesus as well. Listen, every time someone forgives an unconfessed sin, every time we meet someone who forgives an unconfessed sin, particularly our own sins, we've touched the resurrected Christ. Does that make sense? Someone forgives you even though you didn't ask for forgiveness. That's touching Jesus. How about the other way? Every time you forgive someone without demanding, requiring, expecting that he or she should confess before I forgive, I believe we are in touch with the real Jesus. We are surrounded by broken people. We are broken people. And we are also surrounded and filled by the grace of forgiveness. When we forgive, we're touching Jesus. And people are, and when you forgive someone, they're you're, you're allowing them to touch Jesus through your actions. I'm praying that because the way we treat one another, people would be brought into the light of confession. I write here and I'm finishing. The crucifixion did not kill the forgiving grace of God in Jesus. On the contrary, the crucifixion made it overwhelmingly real for the risen Christ is to be touched by every sinner in doubting hand. Let me finish with this. John 1. It's powerful. In the beginning was the Word, already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let's go down to verse 10. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we say thank you. Lord, this morning, we say thank you. I'm going to ask Royce to come on up real quick. And... Lord, help us to be a very thankful people. Lord, we stand in awe that we believe it was a gift that you gave us to see and to hear. 
Lord, I pray, God, this morning, everybody at home watching, everybody here, Lord, that, Lord, that we would just be encouraged by your Holy Spirit. Lord, your presence is our reward, and we say thank you, Father. I just want to encourage you to spend some time with the Lord this week and just be grateful and thankful for the gift that you've received. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to finish our time together. I don't know. Uh, I don't orchestrate the songs, what we sing. The only thing I require is that it make sure it's Christ-centered. Um, it was pretty interesting the song that you sang the first song. Yes. And uh, it's the first song. And uh, it just it just seems like it really fits. So let's just celebrate the goodness of the Lord that we get to see this morning. And we get to hear. Not everybody does. You might have a, a brother or sister that still doesn't can't see it, can't hear it. So I'll take this time to pray for them. Lord, just intervene in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just pray for our families that can't hear and can't see. And Lord, we don't look down on them. We pray for them. We get it. We get it. Lord, thank you for the gift that we get to see and hear. And Lord, that the Spirit resides in our hearts. And Lord, as believers, we don't We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.